Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add-ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Unitanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Good day, BN Army. It is your host, Justin Crossley. I am back in the studio, um, but I'm here all by myself now because of this uh, COVID-19 crisis. I don't have to tell anybody about that. Um, I am freshly back from New Zealand. Uh, A lot has happened, and I thought I would just come on board here and give you guys some updates on what we're doing at the Brewing Network and how we're getting through this and just to try to get you guys some content going again. Um, So as you know, I had left uh, for New Zealand for a few weeks to go visit uh, my friend's hop farm at Hop Revolution. You heard from them on our last podcast, and I'm hoping to get some video posted from them too. Uh, So I was there uh, having a great time touring the country, um, enjoying myself, met so many cool people and brewers, a lot of great brewers out there um, that I want to thank for hosting me. Um, the guys at Deep Creek were super cool and make great beer. Um, Steven over at Hallertau, uh, also awesome beer, sent me home with some. And just, you know, some really nice people that uh, took good care of me while I was there. And, you know, at some point when all hell was breaking loose back here in the U.S., I really was thinking about staying there and, and riding it out. I mean, people were so generous, offering me places to stay. Everything was getting locked down back here in the U.S., and it was starting to look like there wasn't a whole lot of reason for me to come back. Um, our Spring Bruce Festival got canceled, which, uh, I'm not going to lie, pretty devastating to the Brewing Network, both uh, personally and, um, you know, financially, that was a great fundraiser uh, for our company every year. And so kind of getting hit from all sides, you know, I think like everybody was, uh, is still. And um, I kind of felt like staying in, in New Zealand and, and was going to do so. But then they locked down New Zealand as well. I ended up kind of um, having to, they gave everybody in the country 48 hours to get to a place and then have to just that's where you were going to be for the next four weeks, they said. And of course, that was a, a minimum, just like here in the U.S. Every you know, they keep saying, oh, we're going to we're going to close down for a week or we're going to close down for two weeks. And I hope you guys have all figured out by now that that's bullshit. Um, it keeps going on and on and it's going to continue to do that. Well, at one point, New Zealand was no different. Um, in fact, I was traveling to go visit a place that was on my list. I wanted to go to Abel Tasman, supposed to be just this beautiful national park there in the South Island of New Zealand. And I was in Nelson at the hop farm, and it's a couple-hour drive over a mountain, so service goes out. I'm driving to get to Abel Tasman, and uh, as I come down the mountain and I get reception, uh, my friends, the Kiwis out there, start blowing up my phone like, hey, man, where are you, and have you heard... What's happening? And 
And of course, I hadn't had any, I hadn't heard anything. And I drove into this town and, you know, up until that point, the, the Kiwis are kind of everything that you've heard that they are. They're, they're kind, they're polite, and they're also very laid back. And so the whole time I was there, I never really saw anybody too stressed out. And I pull into this town and people are just freaking out. They're like running everywhere. There's a line at the, at the liquor store, of course, as you'd imagine. And I'm kind of like, what is what is happening? My phone's blowing up, and I realize, oh, the prime minister um, has has just done a press conference and said we're locking down our country in 48 hours. We're going to do a, a shelter in place. So you have 48 hours to get where you need to be for the next month, and that includes tourists and residents and everything. So um, I'm... I'm in the wrong island for this to happen because my assumption was I could kind of just keep traveling and maybe do some camping and ride this out. But the the place I needed to be in order to fly home is Auckland, which is in the North Island and a good um, eight hour drive, not including the, the three and a half hour ferry I have to take from the South Island to the to the North Island. So I kind of scramble. I turn around. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I actually got in line at the liquor store first before I before I turned around because come on, I mean, you know I got to stock up on like the necessities. I I had like a loaf of bread and some other food in the I was driving, I rented a Volkswagen camper van like the one that I own. Um and I had a fridge and like I had some I had enough food, but I definitely did not have like enough beer and wine if I'm going to be locked down somewhere. So I did uh, admittedly run into the liquor store first, stock up the van, um, picked up a couple hitchhikers because everyone was like just stranded and freaking out. And I just felt like, well, just driving this van by myself, I'm going to help these people. So I picked up two hitchhikers. I drove them with me back to Nelson. Um and and then I still have another hour and a half drive to get to where I need to catch this this ferry to get from the South Island to the North Island. So I somehow get like the last ticket to the to the ferry, which was amazing. There was hundreds of people, backpackers and travelers and tourists, like stranded trying to catch a ferry to the North Island, and somehow I, I just. I have this Crosley luck every now and then, so I got like the last ticket. I get on this ferry, um, take it uh, kind of overnight uh, to the North Island, um, and then continue driving to Auckland where I have to like shelter in place. And uh, I know this is a bit of a long story. I just I haven't been on the air in a while, and I thought I'd, I'd give you all the details. I get back to Auckland. Uh, my good friend Jason with Hop Revolution gives me his apartment to stay in. And now it's just a matter of can I get a flight home um, or or am I now basically living in New Zealand? And luckily, I was able to get a flight home uh, a few days later, uh, which is a good thing because now I've heard I really would have been stuck there. They, the flights are just not happening as much. In fact, the U.S. Embassy had to really encourage New Zealand to keep flights going to get tourists home. And yeah, I might have become a New Zealander indefinitely, which was not the wouldn't have been the worst thing that ever happened to me. I loved it there, but I do have uh, the Brewing Network to run uh, and get content back to you guys. And um, I also have my bar, the Hop Grenade, which 
was closed by the county that we're in in California. We are one of the first counties in the whole country to do a lockdown and a shelter in place. So back on March seventeenth, uh, we we closed the bar, which is uh, I'm not going to lie, it's it's devastating. Um, which kind of brings me to what I'm going to do with the session with this show while this is all happening. And that is to kind of bring voices together who are experiencing, um, well, we're all experiencing this together. I don't really know how else to put it, but uh, to kind of bring breweries and and bar owners together for a place that we can share ideas and and talk about what's happening instead of, uh, you know, kind of feeling alone. So uh, yeah, so just to back up a little bit, I we we closed the hop grenade on on March seventeenth, uh, and I immediately had to lay off my entire staff, um, which is is heartbreaking. And I know that there are people all over the country that feel this. Not just well, not just the ones that are being laid off, which is is terrible for everybody, but the us that have to do the the laying off of the people who are really like the lifeblood of our of our companies um it's heartbreaking and everybody's going through it um so we closed the doors uh then in finding out that i was able to get a flight back uh we came up with a plan to open our doors here at the hop grenade again just to sell to go beer um the liquor control board, the the ABC here in California, relaxed some of the laws. We're, we're allowed to do growler fills from our taps. The honestly, the ABC is doing everything they can to save restaurants and bars, and um, I think they're being very proactive and very helpful. So we're we're now open and a limited capacity. I'm working every day doing it because we still not only can we not afford really to to hire our staff back, but um, I don't know that even if I could, I can give them more hours than they're than they're getting on unemployment. This whole, I don't know. Um, you, you all know it just as well as I do. The whole thing is is very strange and very surreal and very difficult. And every day, we're just trying to do what we can to keep things moving forward. And so that's what I'm doing here with uh, with this show. So my plan, I'll lay it out for you now. I'll see how well I can keep up with it because I do still have to run the bar and i've got more going on with the brewing network um just to try to keep us afloat and try to give you guys um, a voice out there as well so my plan is to do short interviews with brewery owners and taproom owners and people just throughout the craft beer industry um to talk about what's happening and and solutions and, and you know not just i don't want it to just be a a depressing podcast where we talk about how how bad everything is um Although I'm certainly not going to stop people from telling their stories, I, I do want I want us to hear what's really happening out there. But I also want it to be a place where we can share ideas and and um, maybe find ways through this together. Because I'm really um, I'm of the opinion that this is going to go on longer than than anybody is really admitting. I think it's kind of ridiculous that. Uh, People keep saying, oh, you know, in two weeks, so it's going to be over or we're sheltering until this date. And I don't know why they're giving us those dates other than maybe to keep us from panicking, which which is important, you know, obviously. Um, anyway, I just think this is going to go on for a little while. And um, whatever we can do that doesn't have to come to a grinding halt, 
I think we should do. And I think that this podcast is one of those things. So I'm going to try to bring you some content. So what I've done for this first one here today is I have interviewed uh, my friend Nico Freccia from the 21st Amendment. And he's the co-founder, along with Sully, who you, you all know from the show here. Uh, we haven't really heard from Nico in a while. Uh, anyway, Nico had sent out um, an email, kind of a press release, talking about some debt relief that I hadn't really thought about. And I thought it was uh, an interesting topic and a good message to get out to people. Um, you know, you've all heard about, no doubt, heard about um, rent relief and, and mortgage relief. I'm going through some of that with my landlord at at the hop grenade um, and and what that's going to look like when, when nobody's bringing any money in. But Nico brought up another topic, which he will uh, explain in the interview. I'm going to play for you. Um, which is that there are companies like the 21st Amendment and others who have gone through expansion and taking on debt in order to meet the demands of customers and to grow. And, you know, the craft beer industry has just changed so much in the last, um, gosh, five years alone, um, never mind the 15 years that the Brewing Network has been around. Um, and and taking on debt and what that looks like. And Nico brought up a point you'll hear him talk about that one month of, of paying that loan um, could keep his entire staff on for a month. It, he could make payroll for a month rather than laying people off. And nobody at the time was really talking about lenders giving some sort of relief to business owners. And I thought it was not only a practical topic, but um, something that maybe others should hear about and and be able to maybe lend a voice to, because I think that we, we need to contact our legislatures, uh, legislators. And, uh, you know, something can be done about this and a voice, um, you know, needs to be spoken in order to help. So what I've done is I've interviewed Nico to talk about what he's doing and how this impacts um, small and, gosh, even even medium-sized business. And I think he's a, he's got a great perspective and he's a smart person. And um, this is just the first of what I hope is many um, our many interviews uh, with our industry professionals to talk about how we're going to get through this as 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 brewery owners, as brewers, as home brewers, as as people. Um, it's messing up everybody, and and I think it's important that we share ideas. So let me do this. I'm going to play this uh, interview I did with Nico for you now, and I'll, I'll come back at the end and wrap things up. All right. Thanks for tuning into the session. I am here with Nico Freccia. He's co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery in uh, San Leandro and San Francisco when I met Nico, and of course that location is still there. But Nico put out an interesting statement the other day about the goings-on with the COVID virus um, and how it's affecting um, not just small business, but but some of the bigger businesses as well. And I wanted to catch up with Nico and get his take on uh, how that's affecting companies like the 21st Amendment Brewery. So welcome to the show, Nico. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Glad to be here. And thanks for having me. Of course. So you put out a press release, Nico, and it was a call for other businesses, even like myself, and talking about some of the debt relief. And in the media, people are talking about landlords and rent and, and mortgages. But this is something different that I haven't heard talked about, and I wanted to get your take on it. So tell me about what's happening with the 21st Amendment in relation to this. Yeah. Um, when, you know, Bay Area Shelter-in-Place order was the first in the country 
a little over two weeks ago, uh, two weeks ago this past Tuesday, it went into effect. And uh, obviously, the governor of California, as well as some of our organizations like the BA, our trade, national trade organization, we're, we're calling on Congress to take action for relief packages. One of the things that was being talked about was mortgage relief um, that, and, and potentially rent, renter's relief. Um, so that was one of the early things, and there were a few banks that stepped forward and said that they were going to offer moratorium on mortgage payments for several months. And everybody said, well, that's great. That's helping working people uh, obviously conserve their cash, which it was. Um, but, you know, I started thinking about it and talking to some other brewers in particular, but also obviously probably hundreds of thousands of, of small businesses across America that have taken on bank loans over the years to fund the growth of their businesses. And for us here at 21st Amendment, our monthly principal and interest payment on our loans uh, in order to build this facility that we have here in San Leandro is our single largest monthly overhead expense. And uh, we had to lay off a significant part of our staff layoff or furlough in the, uh, in the immediate wake of the shelter-in-place order, about 75% of our staff. And so I'm looking at the numbers going, boy, the monthly principal and interest payment that we're making to the bank could cover our current entire payroll for the company and allow us to keep the, the key people, the salaried people, and as many of the hourly people employed as we possibly can during this time. Wow. So rather than, you know, sending this to the banks, um, this could go into the pockets of the people in the community and back into the community. And, and you know, the bank's going to get their money. The bank is, has got balloon payments usually on the principal. They're going to keep earning interest on the principal. So, yeah. you know, it's ironic. If you don't make principal payments, the bank is actually making more money because they're still earning interest on the principal you didn't pay. Sure. So, you know, you're basically just deferring money they're going to get anyway. And, and most of these banks are huge multinational corporations that, um, you know, frankly, don't need the money, especially not in the short term when people are suffering. Sure. So I just wanted to really kind of bring this to the attention of legislators and whoever else would listen, because I felt like, you know, there's got to be a lot of people in the same position where this debt payment is a significant part of their overhead. And if this disaster is is relatively short term, and of course, nobody really knows at this time, but but the, the general consensus seems to be that it's it's going to pass. But what is going to stick around are some of these economic impacts. And this in particular would shorten the economic impacts, wouldn't it, if you were able to delay these payments? Yeah, I mean, I think dramatically. Uh, our revenue is significantly reduced now, uh, having shut down our hospitality operations in mid-March and then you know, having a, a production here running it at um, a skeleton crew. Uh, obviously, all draft sales are gone. So we've got limited revenue or restrained revenue and yet we still have to make these bank payments. So buying some time with some deferral on these payments would, yes, allow us to continue to function long enough, hopefully, to you know have things get a little bit back to normal, have sales start to climb back to where they were, get people back into work. And then that, coupled with some of the other aid packages that are being offered out there, uh, you know, I think that, that a lot of people could be in good shape. Sure. Are you making any headway? Have you been able to speak to either your lenders or, um, you know, your your local legislative uh, branch? 
Um, I've been on this letter writing campaign to our congressperson here and uh, senators and governor, and then uh, obviously culminated with a press release that I sent out. And yeah, that's gotten picked up by some of the beer trade papers as well as some of the local. We had a local TV news and a couple other local outlets um, pick it up, uh, which is great. And then you know we started talking to our bank very early on, uh, very shortly after the shelter in place order came in. Uh, and the response was, look, we're looking at it. We expect that there'll be others in the same position um, that'll need some deferrals. We haven't been given any guidance by the government. Um, there's a big, um, you know, sort of operation to, you know, just to stop the motion of in order to get payments stopped and not flag accounts as overdue and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah. um, you know, kind of felt like wasn't really going anywhere quickly but uh in the last few days in particular i have gotten word that they are going to be looking at aid packages or relief packages unfortunately it was too late for our end of march payment okay um which really would have helped because we would have been able to bring some more people back to work in the month of april um and and you know and and just keep some more people on the payroll uh, so unfortunately, that money is gone, but it looks like there'll be some relief for at least for April and hopefully beyond. Good. So people really should reach out to their lenders and ask. And, you know, I found even with my landlord. So here at, at the Hop Grenade Tap Room, we, we had to close right away. We closed on, on March 17th, uh, also here in the Bay Area, obviously one of the first counties to do so. And, you know, we reached out to our, our landlord pretty quickly. Also, you know, there's not a whole lot of margins in our business. And, you know, my experience has been not only personally with, with my own landlord, but talking to others, that there is this kind of initial blanket response that is is kind of a, well, either a no or I don't have a response. And I think my what I'm learning is not to be too frustrated or freaked out by that because everybody's asking. Nobody really knows what's going to happen, including our lendlo- uh, lenders and our landlords. And, you know, they're sort of left waiting to find out what the government aid packages are going to be as well, too. Um, do you find that to be kind of the thing that's happening is everyone's just sort of uh, either a non-answer or a no, but it doesn't really mean no yet? Yeah, I completely agree with everything you've said. It it, it seems like it, at first people were were essentially saying, look, we understand that they're that there may need to be some action taken. We, we understand that some something may need to happen, that, that, that a lot of people are going to be hurting. But I think, you know, to your point, everybody's kind of waiting to see, like, what are other people going to do and yeah. how is the government going to, going to react to this? And, um, you know, we got that from the landlord as well as, as well as the bank. And then I think once they saw, look, the right thing to do is to get working people help as quickly as possible, uh, number one, and number two, the government is supporting that notion and is working on additional aid packages to help these people. Uh, and by the way, everybody else is in the same boat and everybody's working hard to right. get people relief. I think it was sort of this collective sigh of, oh, okay, I guess it's okay for me to do this. Sure. And um, and so, yeah, to your point, I think it would have been nice for people to react, um, you know, for some of these big payments, for people to react quickly and just voluntarily say, look, there's a crisis going on. We're going to put a moratorium on this until we understand a little bit better what needs to happen and what uh, what other aid options there are out there. But let's put a stop to it now. That didn't happen. It took a couple weeks, but um, 
you know, I guess in the big scheme of things, that's not a very long period of time for, you know, huge wheels of government and industry to come slowing down and screeching to a halt. <laughs> yeah. No, in fact, I think that things are happening pretty, pretty darn quickly. They are. Yeah, I agree. So, Nico, what about on the on the beer sales side for a, a manufacturer like you? You know, I'm reading in in Bay Area newspapers that alcohol consumption is up 43 percent. You know, and I think a lot of that is based on on purchasing. Um, what's your take on how the how the beer industry is doing uh, with during this? Yeah, I highly doubt alcohol consumption is up 43 percent. Yeah, <laughs> um, I you know I'm I talk regularly with the. Um, with the segment manager at our local Safeway, which is one of the largest um, alcohol-selling Safeways in the system, um, he said uh, wine, spirits, and beer all uh, essentially hoarding. He said, you know, you had customers coming in that would normally buy two bottles of wine at a time that were buying 20. Wow. This is really in the week immediately after the shelter-in-place. So I think for both wine, liquor, and beer, uh, there was a little bit of a hoarding situation like the toilet paper situation where I think people just didn't know what to expect. Am I going to be, you know, is this going to, because everything happened so quickly and it went from, you know, we're encouraging restaurants to go to 50% occupancy so they can allow for social distancing to everything is shut down. Everybody needs to stay home except for essential businesses. And I mean, I remember that happened within 24 hours and nobody really knew what to make of it. And then, you know, you were thinking, geez, three or four days from now, we could be under martial law and not be able to leave our homes at all. So I think the initial week in particular, uh, there was a lot of sort of panic buying. And I know for those first two weeks since the shelter in place went into effect, um, I've heard numbers uh, that beer or craft beer rather was up about 30% nationwide. I know for us, we were up about 15% hmm. in the uh, West Coast, um, you know, a lot of variety packs. But this current week, which is week number three, we're starting to see that completely taper off and get back down to a level that would be below what we would normally expect. Okay. So I think that panic buying is, is done and people are, are settling into more reasonable mode and and, and they all got inventory of liquor they're trying to use up. And the other thing is obviously draft. I mean, we, we as a company aren't very heavy on draft. It's only about 20% of our business. Um, but there are breweries out there, commercial breweries that, you know, do 40% draft or more. Um, those guys are hurting because obviously there's just no draft sales. So they may be saying, yeah, great, our package sales are up 20, 30%, but they have zero draft sales. So overall, my guess is between the loss of the hospitality, the loss of the draft, and even with the increase in the package, people are still below what they would normally expect to be doing in revenue this time of year. Sure, which is extremely difficult. And like you said, it just happened, gosh, even overnight is too long of a, <laughs> it happened in, you know, in, in just hours, um, the yeah. way it went like that. So here at the Hop Grenade Tap Room, you know, we closed uh, immediately. And now just yesterday, we've opened again for um, to-go sales. And uh, uh, you know of a lot of these changes, Nico, but just around the country, you know, in case you're, you're unaware of some of the things that are happening here in California, the, um, the ABC uh, relaxed some of their regulations. So tap rooms like mine, because we're not a manufacturer, could never uh, fill growlers 
we couldn't we couldn't do any packaging. We could sell packaged product that you sold to me, Nico, but I couldn't you know package it myself. And they've now relaxed that, and I think that their understanding um, is exactly what you're kind of descri- describing. A lot of these breweries who were draft only and and really counted on our types of on premise accounts are suffering. And the only way to get us to make money here and purchase more product from from you and others is to allow us to do things like that. So some of the relaxing of the rules, I think, are going to help us not <laughs> not be profitable during this time, but really just to stay afloat. Like even those are kind of emergency aid packages, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean. We were we were running our uh, our pub in San Francisco and our tap room here in San Leandro for takeout food and beer for the first week or so, and we were losing money. It wasn't even covering the cost of the staff and the overhead, but mm-hmm. it was defraying a little bit of it, and it was basically allowing us to keep people employed. And our attitude was, uh, you know, it's better to keep these folks employed full time, pay them and lose a little bit of money than have to lay them off and have none of that revenue coming in at all. So um, all of these things, yeah, the ABC did a number of things that made it a lot easier. I mean, even like letting bars sell cocktails to go in, you know, in sealed plastic cups, you know, that would have been unheard of outside of New Orleans. Yeah. Yeah. They can do that now. So a lot of, a lot of little things like that definitely do help. Sure. Well, we just opened there's a lot of breweries. There's a lot of breweries out there. They're sitting like us on inventory of all kinds of draft. You know, we have all these kegs of beer we just had just packaged, particularly watermelon that, you know, if this thing stretches on another month or longer, that stuff is going to be long code and, and, and may not be sellable. So um, all yeah. you humbers out there, call your local breweries and see if you can't buy a keg at a discount because people need to move that stuff. Absolutely. And even some retailers are selling kegs. It's a good point you make about inventory, Nico. So I'm sitting down with my beer team yesterday. And in terms of purchasing in times like this, you know, I, I just, there's a few breweries who have just been with me forever. Um, you guys are one of them. And so, in th- you know, we kind of have to be selective to buy. We can't take on a bunch of inventory. Um, uh, because just overhead. And so, so to be fair, to be honest with you, I was like, well, I, you know, we need to get some El Sully in here. I need some 21st Amendment in here. Um, and, and my buyer said, well, I'm fine to do that, but you realize we do have inventory that we tapped two weeks ago when we closed also. And we gotta, you know, you gotta let me put that in growlers and get it out the door before I can even help my friends at 21st Amendment and buy more beer. So everybody is sort of playing this inventory game too. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a drag, obviously, for us to have to dump this perfectly good yeah. fresh beer that never left the brewery. Yeah. But, um, you know, as a proportion of our volume, it's not massive. Um, sure. Obviously, everything hurts. But I, I think folks like you and other small breweries, um, you know, definitely are going to hurt a lot more from this. It, and it's kind of ironic to me, you know, this this what we call the new taproom model that has sprung up over the last five years, yeah. which has been so successful where you've got the great small local breweries with the garage door that opens up and, they've, and they're selling, you know, really interesting sours and barrel aged and small batch stuff. And they're making all their money by selling the beer over the bar and selling it in, you know, four pack cans to go or crowlers to go or whatever. Um, and that was such a great new business model that allowed all these breweries to open 
And now those guys literally have no revenue. They have no income. They have no way to do anything other than you know try to do to-go sales. Right. And, uh, it's a strange thing to have watched because even you know just a few months ago, I would have conversations like that uh, on our show about hey. You know, we're probably not going to see too many of these large regional breweries anymore. It really is this new model that you've just described. And if you want to open a brewery, you should probably find a neighborhood like that that needs you. Um, but then without the diversification like you have, for example, with, with the distribution of packaged product, um, yeah, everything can, can just sort of fall apart in an instant. I thought I really was diversified here personally because I've got the brewing network side. I've got the, the podcast. I've got the, uh, the tap room side. I've got a video side that we do. Uh, but it turns out I'm diversified all within the same category, all within beer. So it didn't even matter. All the revenue still dried up pretty quickly. It's just, it's difficult times in, in the beer industry. But I did. I wanted to end on a different note, Nico. And you and I were talking about this just a little bit before I got you on the phone. And that is that, despite these challenges we've been talking about over the past few minutes, I'm oddly still really optimistic. And I get the sense that everyone around me is also. And and I don't know if we're just blindly optimistic or um, there just seems to be this collective. We really could be freaking out, and we're not. Well, you know, freaking out doesn't really do you any good. Yeah, right? yeah. I've got a saying that Sean likes to use a lot because because uh, I because I say it all the time, which is worrying is praying for what you don't want to happen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, I think people, you know, always kind of try to find the positives and things and. And I, I think the government did act very quickly um, to, to try to offer some aid packages, you know, between the immediate unemployment insurance, the extended unemployment insurance benefits, the additional $600 a week that people are eligible for, expanding eligibility across the board to all kinds of people, including self-employed. I mean, all of that has a huge immediate impact to get some money coming into people's hands. Mortgage relief, big relief, rent relief, big relief off people's shoulders, Um, $1,200 checks coming in from the government, Um, all of these things, I think, give people the sense at least that, okay, I'm going to have something. I'm going to have enough money to, and I'm not going to worry about losing my house or losing my apartment, number one. I'm going to have enough money coming in to, you know, to, uh, put food on the table. And so I think, I think people feel like there's, you know, some relief packages and aid out there that's going to help them. Um, and I think, for us, you know, with the SBA loans they're making available, with uh, people deferring rent, with some bank relief that we're hope- hopeful for, it'll go a long way to, you know, allowing us to survive this, uh, keep as many people employed as possible, and then, you know, get back to some semblance of normal. The big question for me is, what is this going to do overall to beer sales? I mean, I just, you know, even if this thing is lifted May 1st or May 3rd, like they're targeting now. Mm. It's not like the next day life goes back to normal and the beer orders go back to where they would have been, which by the way is, you know, we're hitting May, June, July are the three biggest beer selling months of the year. Right. Um, coming into the summer. <laughs> I don't, excuse me. I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't, I don't see things just picking up where we, where we would have been and, you know, hitting the ground running. I think we're looking at probably a, a slow climb back to to getting beer sales to where they would have been. And by the time, you know, we maybe get back to 
feeling normal and acting normally as a society, you know, it could be September, October, the fall, and by then, you know, you're coming into the quieter beer months. So, you know, we're back into another off-season cycle where cash flow is usually tight. So, yeah. We'll have to see. The jury's out, and obviously on on maybe debt deferrals and rent deferrals. I mean, we're getting a deferral of rent, but it's just for a couple months. So we may not have to pay the rent April 1st, but we're still going to have to pay that rent and now add it to our rent later on this summer. Sure. So, you know, we're we're hopeful that for now we're going to get through this. And, and when I say we, I'm speaking, I think, for a lot of small businesses, we're all collectively hopeful that we're going to get through this now in the next couple months. But there could be a lot of sort of domino long-term effects over the next year that we're not even really thinking about yet. I think you're right. And those are the unknowns that I think are, you know, do give folks anxiety. So it's probably good, you know, we're not only is this an unprecedented event in, in our history, but as you were talking about, we're getting an unprecedented amount of aid as well. And I do. So that's probably keeping us hopeful. But the anxiety of the unknown that you're describing and, and what, you know, what normal will look like and, or, or how long it will take before we even see a, a normal. I think you, you're right that, that, that those are the challenges that, that we're still really up against. Um, yeah. Well, we are resilient uh, as a as an industry, um, as certainly as a country. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think I've I've got a lot of faith in in you, Nico, your leadership over there at the Twenty First Amendment and 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 the brewing industry in general. So, um, I want to thank you for being on the show today and and talking with us. I think that um, you know small businesses and breweries around the country are going to want to hear what other you know people like you are doing. So, thanks for sharing that. Well, thanks for having me, and thank you for your ongoing support of our brand, and thanks to everybody out there for supporting craft beer, and I encourage you all to um, reach out to your local legislator, and among other things, uh, among other you know aid, aid possibilities and packages, let them know that small businesses could use a moratorium on commercial, commercial debt. Nico Freccia, co-founder of the 21st Amendment. You can go to 21st-amendment.com and learn more about the company and probably find a way to reach out to him directly as well. Thank you, sir. Okay. Well, thank you again to Nico for being on the program and, and taking the time to do that interview. Uh, like I said, I'm going to try to keep doing this for you. Um, I, you know, it's a, it's a little awkward for me to sit in the studio by myself. I'm not going to lie. We're not used to doing that. Um, but... You know, even we're just not even allowed to really be around people. So I'm not trying to bring JP and Bevo uh, and Teresa or Sully into the studio just yet. I think that we will over time get each other on on Skype and all the different services so that you can hear from all of us. Uh, But for now, I just really wanted to get some content out to you and an update about what's happening. Um, Which reminds me, I didn't update you on the tour, which also got canceled um, I was geared up, uh, you know, before leaving for New Zealand, I did everything I had to do to come back, put on our spring Bruce festival and within days take off on the BN North American tour, which I have been excited about. <laughs> so excited about planning it really in the back of my head for years and just never, the time was never right until now, uh, at least I thought it was, uh, had geared up had planned out uh, most of the route, uh, had secured sponsors for the tour. In fact, sponsors were 
also super excited about the whole thing because we were really bringing the show to you. We were going to go to breweries all over the country, and I really felt like kind of back to our roots. We're really focusing on independent brewers and and breweries. And, and anyway, um, it's all been put on hold. So you're going to hear from me here in the studio, sometimes by myself. Sometimes I'll be able to get uh, our co-hosts on Skype. Um, I'll always bring you an interview from somebody, um, you know, short ones like this, this kind of different format that we're doing. Um, and I appreciate your support through this. Uh, you know, the Brewing Network is going to struggle just like everybody else. Um, but we're going to try to keep going and bringing you content. Um, there are still ways that you can support us. And, and by the way, you know, support your, your local breweries as well. Um, I, I hope you do that. It's important. Um, you can hit the donate button on our page. Many of you always do that, and we appreciate it. Um, and I know times are tough, so uh, it's okay if you have to cancel your monthly donation. You know, you don't have to apologize to me about that. I understand, and I just appreciate all the support we've been given over the years. Um, if you still appreciate this content and you, and you haven't been affected financially, please do hit the donate button. It's going to help me keep paying our staff. Uh, which I have committed to at the Brewing Network at least. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to keep paying the people who keep uh, the Brewing Network alive. Um, uh, so you can hit the donate button. Uh, you know, it takes you through PayPal. You can do your Amazon shopping, which I'm sure a lot of you are doing even more of if you click the Amazon link on our page. Uh, that's an easy way to support us. It doesn't really cost you any extra money. Um, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to support us. Uh, I still want to hear from you also, so you can send feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. And, um, you know, once we get this format rolling, I'll, I'll still do a, a feedback segment every week. If you've got some comments that you want to, you want to write in, um, and, and give to us. And, and finally, I want to thank our, our sponsor of this show and they've been doing it since 2005. Uh, my friends over at More Beer, and I mean that in the in a very truest sense of the word. They're they've always been such a, a supporter of mine, and they're helping me through this crisis right now. Still supporting this program, they help me get growlers uh, it, in a really uh, quick fashion, so that I could open the hop grenade again to sell beer to go. And they're just some kind and helpful and awesome people. And I know a bunch of you are stuck at home. It's a great time to pick up that homebrewing hobby again. Go to morebeer.com. You can get everything you need delivered right to your door. And let's start making beer at home again. Um, I'm living in an RV currently, so I'm not going to make beer at home myself. But um, I think you should. And and we should talk about it. So send your feedback to feedback at thebrewingnetwork.com. If you've got show ideas or people that you want to, uh, me to interview during this time, um, I, I, I'd, I'd appreciate hearing it, and I'll try to get it done. I'm sorry if I'm a little rusty and, and awkward on the, on the microphone here, but I'm not used to being in the studio by myself. So it's a brave new world for, for all of us at, at this podcast included. Thank you for sticking around. Uh, Thanks for listening, and cheers. Take care of yourselves out there.